fight and we don't have to kill everybody in the whole wide world really just needs to chill no we don't have to fuss no 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 we don't have to fight hello welcome back to just chill with oliver george it is episode 18 the light is on my guest is here uh before we introduce them though i'm gonna say please subscribe and if you already have thank you so much if you're hearing this on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please come check out the YouTube version and see what the what the geek room looks like. And finally, contact info info rather if you have any uh, ideas for for cool guests or you just want to give some feedback about the show. That's just chill podcasting at gmail.com. And now to the man of the hour, Thomas Cumberbatch, <laughs> who another guy who used to go to high school with me, but that's not why you're here. That's just a, a little coincidence. But uh, I guess I would primarily introduce you as a CEO and founder of your company, Godspeed. Godspeed? Yeah, Godspeed. That's it. With a Z, though. Yeah. That's Communications. Funny. Yeah. So uh, you guys are a marketing and branding company, is what I've gathered. And you were also nominated for a Faces Magazine Award. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, a lot of times... Uh, I struggle to explain to people exactly what we do, but how I characterize Godspeed, we're a business strategy and creative firm. And branding, marketing, um, photography, design, those are kind of um, those are kind of tools. Those are the those are the weapons that uh, that Your we arsenal, wield. Yeah. yeah, that's okay. it. Yeah, but at the but at the core, um, we help businesses build strategies that help them to grow, and we do that with art. And actualizing what their company is really about. That's right. Yeah, that's what I, I gathered from reading your stuff is that you guys are very much about getting people to sort of almost discovering stuff they may not even know about themselves and their own company yet. 100%. Like getting to the bottom of the core of like, what are you about and what do you want to do with this and how do you want to reach people? And so I, I thought that was really cool just even how you call your clients soul rebels which is really awesome, just the, the Bob Marley connection, obviously. <laughs> but that's yeah. cool. Like the whole brand soul finding that this... You know, what is the core here? So um, how did that get started, though? Like, how did you get into this? It seems like a, not a strange thing to get into, but it, there must have been steps along the way that led you to to running your own company. You know what I mean? I'll try and give you the Coles, the Coles notes. Okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> hey, you can take your time, man. We got time. <laughs> well, um, I would start this story at, you know, in probably 2009, which was the year that I realized that kind of my dream of, uh, becoming a professional football player wasn't going to happen. And I went through this kind of identity crisis. I was always kind of Thomas the football player. Mm. Even in high school, when we went, when we went to high school. I remember together, that kind of, yeah. You I were was the Thomas sports the, dude. Yeah. yeah, I was Thomas the football player. I mean, I played other sports, but, you know, that was the one that, uh, that everybody knew I loved. And, yeah. um, you know, I was fortunate enough to play in university. I had an opportunity to play in Chicago after university. I played it in the Arena Football League for a little bit. Nice. I had what I call a cup of coffee. It was real quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I came back here. I worked out with the BC Lions and the Toronto Argonauts. Oh, wow. And, um, and I didn't get signed. And I realized that, you know what, this is, this is done. I woke up one day and I just knew inside my spirit I was, that was it. And um, I went through a little bit of a depression, to be honest. I, like I couldn't get out of bed. Well, that can be unnerving, feeling like you, your identity just went out the window for sure. Yeah, exactly, and that's exactly what happened for me. I, I, I placed so much importance on football that I forgot about me, like mm -hmm. who I really. Am, yeah, who right? am I at the bottom of this? Yeah, exactly. And um, I started asking myself questions, like you know, um, outside of playing football, when was I the happiest? And it's funny because that whole football experience actually led me into this because my coaches used to 
basically pay me, throw me a few bones uh, to create the end of the year highlight film because every year we had something called the Purple and Silver Banquet where a bunch of recruits from all over the country would come for a weekend um, at Winter Homecoming, which is the basketball team's homecoming. Okay. And uh, we would host them in this amazing banquet and convince them to come to Bishops. Oh, cool. And um, we'd play a video there that recapped the season. And, and every year they would get me to do it. And that was my first kind of um, that was my first experience with video and editing and, and editing like and yeah. stuff like that. And okay. I mean, I would stay up for like for like literally, I'd stay up for two days because typically, you know, I'd find out uh, three or four days before that they want me to do it, and it's uh, this date and big cram session. And I just exactly yeah. big cram session, and we just you know, I'd I just stay up and we get this stuff done. And at the time, I mean, you're dealing with slow computers. You know, you render a video, it takes like eight hours. You're preaching the choir right now, man, because like <laughs> I, we're, our editing software is kind of, you know, if you have too many things going on at once, it starts freezing up right when you're finally making progress and it can be very frustrating to say the least. Yeah. Exactly. So imagine, you know, you're you're putting out a, you know, a five or six minute video and it's taking, you know, half the day. It's taking seven hours. Yeah. You got to sleep. And wake up point. and make sure that it didn't freeze, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyhow, um, you know, what ended up happening was, you know, at, in that time when I realized that football wasn't going to be a thing, I kind of jogged back to that time. I was like, you know, I had a lot of fun doing that. Mm. Um, I majored in English. I have a minor in film and business. And um, I just remember loving my film courses. Um, you know, I got into, like, I was, I think I was, uh, I've been naturally created to think like a director. Okay. And um and I did really well and I had a lot of fun. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna start a film a film company, a production company. And nice. I, I said, Hey Pops, you know what? I have no money. <laughs> um, do you mind uh do you mind spotting me some money? I wanna the buy just a chill method. <laughs> right, Dad? <laughs> Uh, a little bit. Um, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> no, no, you can relate. No, no. Hey, of man, course. parents, uh, like, I, I don't look at that and go, oh, I'm a loser or, like, I'm lame because I need to at get all. some help from my dad. I go, wow, my dad's awesome and, like, w- how blessed I am to have such a nice family and, and, and that Incredible. I can reach for that when I need that help, you know? Incredible. So, yeah. So, thanks, Dad. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, that, okay. So that's interesting. You wouldn't think that sports would lead to that shift because a lot of time you get sports are known as like the meatheads who wouldn't be seen dead in an AV room. You know? <laughs> so that's a very interesting uh, progression that happened there. Um, before we move on though, I wanted to point out when you said, uh, sort of losing your identity, I think that happens to like a lot of real athletes, like professional, oh, yeah. like big time, you know, they play for 10 years in the NHL or whatever the sport is. And then they're like, who am I after this? You know? Yep. And they get washed to, up. Or, yeah. It's kind of yeah. dark a little bit. You have to have a backup plan and, and have, you know, some identity beyond that. Big time, big time. And you know what's, thank, thank God, like right now, we're in a different era where people are starting to realize that there there is life after all these things that we think we are. Whatever you're obsessed whatever with. Whatever you're yeah, obsessed yeah. with. And um, uh, they're starting to, you know, to implement mechanisms that help these athletes today to understand, hey, there's life after football and yeah. you Let's- need to make sure to to make sure that your finances are on point. Have a balanced uh, transition kind of, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, um, you know, at, at the level that I was at, you know, there wasn't anybody around to really help me with that, especially given the fact that I wasn't actually playing on a team. Mm. Um, I was just kind of, I was a free agent with, with an agent trying to get a gig, so to speak. Um, you were good enough to have an agent, though, right? That's <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun, man. You know what, I had, I had some successes. I finished off, you know, as... Um, as a conference all-star, I was uh, nominated as an all-Canadian. And wow. Was, you know, I had a lot of fun. 
I had a lot of fun. Yeah, well, I had uh, read when I was doing some research that you were like the captain of the football team in your university, uh, yeah. Bishops. Yeah. So that's. Yeah, I was one of the captains. I was going to say that must tie into your be, being able to be a CEO and be in a leadership role because there must be so much pressure being the captain of a university football team. Like, I know it's just a game or whatever, but a lot of people care. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you Big know? time. Big time. And the, and the, the thing with that is, you know, um, it's not just people think leadership is about telling other people what to do, mm. but it really is about modeling those principles and precepts y- yourself, right? So um, I spent a lot of time trying to be all the things that I would encourage my comrades to, to be. Like to lead do. by example, yeah. A hundred percent. And, you know, I was, I was blessed enough to have a really incredible university coach. His name is Leroy Blue. He's actually the defensive line coach for the Red Blacks. And, um, you know, he was the type of person where if, if I wasn't leading by example, he wasn't afraid to tell me that I wasn't leading by yeah, example. Yeah. You know, so um, having people around you who are honest really help help shape you and shape your identity big time, and to help you to live into your identity. But um, but really, what was happening with me is, you know, um, I said, "Hey, pops, I need I need to buy a camera." And at the time, it was kind of like you know, 2008. Um, Canon released the the 5D. Um, the Canon 5D or 5D Mark II, and okay. that had video capability, and really good video capability. At the time, you know, 1080p was on point. Like, yeah, yeah, that was full HD, yeah. right? Um, and so I got a camera that wasn't the 5D Mark II, but was something similar, similar to like, that, like a knockoff version or something. Or? Well, it wasn't. I wouldn't say it's a knockoff, but it's a. It was a Canon 60D. So the 5D was probably the body was probably twenty five hundred dollars, close to three thousand, and the body for my camera was a little like more of an economy version. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. exactly. But still decent. It's still decent. Yeah, for the time. <laughs> yes. Probably garbage now. <laughs> oh yeah, now it's, it's nothing. But um, <laughs> but you know, um, I ended up, I ended up literally just using that camera and I built a production company with that little camera. Wow. And um, the way my first contract was a company in Chicago called Gorilla Strength. And while I was training, um, I wanted like a really solid pair of exercise bands. Like these were like uh, four or 500 pounds of resistance. These were amazing bands. Wow. And this company in Chicago made them and, and I, I sent them an email and said like, these, this product is so good. Why in the world don't you have any videos on YouTube? Like, this is such a great product. And they said, well, you know anybody who could create them for us? And I was like, well, I can. Oh, so the light goes off there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't even, at the time, I didn't even know how much to charge. <laughs> like, I had no idea what someone charged for videos for a company. I did three commercials. Um, how did you figure that out? <laughs> you just, like, picked a random number and hoped? Kind of. I was like, you know what? Let me, um, <laughs> let me like, here's, here's one of Dad's repayments. <laughs> you know? Like, I yeah, thought about exactly. it that way. Well, how does it affect your life? Like, what do you need kind of? Yeah, okay, that's a fair way of doing it. As long as you're not, like, insane, like, asking right. five times more than the industry standard or something. Well, but. I charged $500 for those three commercials. And, I mean. Oh, so you probably to, went under. You probably could have got more. Oh, a lot more. Yeah. A lot more. <laughs> um, and I shot them. Basically, I shot them all myself. I used my buddies as the actors. I got them to send me a bunch of, uh, a bunch of like, sets of bands so that I could use them in different ways in the commercials. Oh, and, awesome. Um, you know, one thing led to another. I put it out on Facebook, and next thing you know, someone's saying, hey, my dad has a business. Can you help him? Uh, you know, a buddy wants to start a business. You know, I'm helping them. Um, and at the time, I was working for Canada Post. Uh, it was a kind of Godspeed's first contract. Um, we were working in social media with them, and uh, I was creating um, I was creating AM and PM reports every day during the strike between you know 2010 and 2011 12ish and um and I reported to the director of social media and 
you know, while I was at Canada Post, I was able to work with some of the people at Canada Post as well because they had side hustles. Oh, so cool. it was cool. I built Godspeed that way. And you were, yeah, you were handling all of Canada Post's social media? Well, no, I wasn't handling all the social media, but I was a part of the social media team. And it was one of the first major corporations to have a social media department. Oh, uh, okay. And, um, they were trying to be ahead of the curve a little bit. Yeah. Yes. So my responsibility, I was almost like a digital spy. My responsibility was to attract uh, Canada Post mentions all over digital media and alert 76 of their labor relations execs so they could use the intel from the street wow. to, to, to bargain with the union, Cup W. And uh, my reports were, were, I mean, people would come to my desk and be like, you have no idea what your reports are doing, you know, at the bargaining table. Like, they're like, kudos to you. And I remember I used to sleep on my phone. I had a bunch of Google alerts. Anytime Canada Post was, was mentioned, I would get an alert. Because if something crazy happened in the middle of the night, I would actually have to send a report out to um, to the basically the CEO, Deepak Chopra at the time, the, the VP of communications, Joanne Polak, John Hamilton, and Nick Lozier. These are all people who ran uh, the communications. Sounds like stressful to some degree if you can't sleep it, properly. It was, but you know what? I loved it because I'd come off the football field. And I hadn't, I mean, coming off the football field, I, I like kind of lost my sense of purpose. This was a, a situation where I walk into, um, I walk into a job where it's like, if I don't do my job, then, then people kind of get hurt. So, Same as football. Yeah. Exactly. So you like the high stakes sort of. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my personality. I was an offensive lineman. You know, I, pro I protect the quarterback. I was a left tackle as well. So, um, you know, that's really high stakes. You play yeah, on yeah. an island with that defensive, defensive end. Um, but I loved it. I loved the pressure. I loved um, I love being put in a position where, you know, um, I needed to govern myself uh, in a way that delivered results. And I'm still that way. I, I enjoy leading our team at Godspeed today. Um, um, you not, seem like you grind real hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's in my it's in my DNA. And you're a man of many hats, it seems too. Yes. Yes. I have a lot of these hats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Figuratively speaking. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So now that we, you've explained a bit more about your company, I wanted to point out too, um, did you co-found this with your wife? Um, or you co-run it with her or something, or she's a part of the company as well, right? She definitely is. So I, I started it on my own in my parents' basement, but, um, over the years, you know, we, I got married in 2012 and that's when my wife and I, um, kind of moved in together. And of course, like, you know, she has her job and then mine is our company mm -hmm. and, you know, it's one of those things where when you're building a business, especially especially an agency, this this particular type of business has so many small parts. It's such an intricate business because you're responsible for the success of someone else's business. And it's very hard when you don't have someone teaching you how to do it to figure that all out. You're trying to build your own business, let alone someone else's. Your business is, is a bunch of little businesses and helping them, and they've all got their own approach and, and exactly. different needs. Yes. Yeah, that's very true. So it's been very difficult. And the funny thing is that my wife majored in communications. She's a very had a very successful, um, you know, um, like university career. She um, she ended up getting a great job in the government, and she actually was like my coach. You know, she taught me how to write my first proposal. Mm -hmm. She told me that I couldn't talk to people on my team like I was on the football field. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, she's the, she really helped me with with um, you know with etiquette and perspective, and she she taught me how to identify opportunities. 
Um, and she helped me to, you know, to, to leverage my skills and my abilities. And, uh, she's very special, you know, of course she's my wife and she's, special yeah, I didn't know if she had like a formal title within the company or not. Well, right now she's really our head of accounts and, um, she, you know, we're kind of making a transition where she's going to eventually be kind of working in the company full time at some point. But, um, that's uh, awesome though. But yeah, well, the point I was going to bring up is not that ever, not everyone could work with their wife. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's not easy. It's tough, and it's probably t- it's probably tougher for her. Yeah, <laughs> because you know I'm, I'm a hard headed dude. But uh, um, but at the same, but she time, loves you. She's she's got your back. Yeah, big time. I think working with your significant other, it would have to be like if you were very like all day in close proximity. That that would grain on anybody probably because then you're, I don't know. It's just. You know, excuse excuse my language, but don't shit where you eat. They say, you know, like because <laughs> then you want to go home and that person's still there. And you're like, ah, oh. you know. But um, okay, so so the the company's going very well. It sounds like, yeah. Um, but what what kind of projects have that you've helped bring into fruition have really had a big impact on you? That's a great question. You know, there must be a lot of them. I would assume a lot of them. Yeah, because we really specialize in working with brands that are purpose driven. So if you're selling widgets and doodads, like. Like, I'll never take your contract on. Like, if all you want to do is make money, yeah, yeah. we'll never take your contract on. Just because chill out some, yeah. At, our entire process is engineered to pull out, like, the deepest depths of your being and then literally use that as a tool and leverage that to design your operations, your systems, your sales processes, your marketing strategies, your growth strategies, culture strategies. The, the whole purpose is to, to ingrain that into all of those things so that every aspect of your business has purpose. And that's and for should us. flow more naturally, if, uh, naturally, sorry, if it's uh, set up around you and, the, and your true values. You exactly. Know? And for me, that's what, and, and my team, that's what a brand is. You know, a lot of people think that brands are logos and colors. A brand is the promise that you make to the world every day in every aspect of your business. Uh, a brand is not your logo, you know? Your, your, or at least not solely. I mean, your logo can be part of your brand, but I, I understand the message you're trying to say. For well, that's sure. design. Yeah, the yeah, truth, that's true. Mike, I always ask this question. Could a company exist without a logo? Depends on the company, maybe, but I would say arguably yes. Yeah, like, I mean, a business owner chooses to have a logo. Yeah. You don't really have to have a logo. That's true. And there are businesses that don't have a logo. And make millions of dollars. Oh yeah, there are there are there are shops, mechanic shops. You know that I mean, people know that that gym is a mechanic. Or something, yeah, John's mechanic shop, and it's like the most boring sign ever. Exactly, no one's just a sign. Yeah, it's not a logo. Yeah, that's true. It's an emblem because 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 logo design is design. Like that's design. That's one aspect. It's 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 a tool you use to communicate your brand. Your brand is your ethos. It's something much deeper than that. And that's why for us, you know, we use the word soul because it's that deep. And um, what we do is I tell this to people all the time. I use this analogy is that um, we help businesses and, and organizations and even individuals uh, to develop a solid or a healthy brand anatomy. And a brand anatomy is broken up of three pieces. It's the soul. It's the mind and the body. The soul is your identity. It's who you are. It's your guts. It's like it's it's the first thing that forms when you know we come to being, so to speak. Okay. That's that's I want. I think. Um, that's that's this is my purpose. It's the the center of identity. I call it the CNS, the central nervous system of any brand is its soul. Okay. The mind is the strategies. 
It's the operation strategies. It's the processes and procedures. It's the product and service offering. Um, it's your culture strategy. It's your sales strategy. It's all the mechanisms and all of the strategies that a business has in order to make a business real, to be able to deliver a product. Okay. And the body is everything that you would see from the outside. The body is the thing that communicates who the soul and the mind of this business is. So that's where some logos might come into play. Yeah. Exactly. So just in the body. Okay. Exactly. So so for us, what we specialize in, and I think what we do better than many out there, is we transport the soul into the mind and the body. So we go through this process called the soul guide process. And really, that's kind of like our flagship product. It's, a, it's an actual hard a hardcover bound book. It could range anywhere between 70 and 170 pages. And it's a company's identity in a book. Oh. And that becomes the foundation for everything that the company it's thinks like their mission and statement says. Kind of. Well, the mission is definitely in there. It's yeah, in the first, uh, it's in the first section. It's three sections. It's in the brand identity section, and um, and I mean, it's every aspect of the company. Anything you can think of. I put it this way: there are companies. So some of our clients use it to hire people. They use it to solve organizational disputes. Um, but use to it be to, clear about like, what are we guys? Exactly. What are we doing here? Yeah, no, that's actually exactly. very smart. So Keep. that's what we do first. We establish the soul with that process. And that can take anywhere from, it could take anywhere from three, three months to a year and a half, depending on the size of the business. Wow. But um, once. And what they do, I would, I would assume also factors in what kind of a business it oh, is. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a whole section called products and services. And that is like, that's. That section obsesses over what they do and what the value proposition is, the problem that their product or service solves, um, and how they're memorable through their product and service. Right. So interesting. Yeah. So that's what we do. And you know, so my friends, I have friends like who I've been friends with for like thirty years, twenty five years. They still don't know what I do because you know they see they see me shooting a you know the campaign, the Olympic campaign for the diving team, and they're like, oh, you're a photographer. And then they see me in some boardroom training a sales team, and they're like, you're like a Sales team trainer, <laughs> you know, like so. But anyhow, yeah, they they think it's vague, but really, it's just you're doing lots of different things. It sounds like you're just a jack of all trades kind of guy, and you <laughs> found a way to work it all within the same company, which is really fantastic. That's right. Yeah. That, so, oh, sorry. So, to get back to the question, though, like, what is a uh, one of these things that you've, you you've helped bring bring into fruition, though, and and why did that sort of have an impact on you? So. I mean, I mean, not to put you on the spot. No, no, you know, it's, it's, no, that's cool. It's cool. Let me tell you about this special project, okay? It was a pro bono project. Okay. So I get a call one day at about uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And this amazing, amazing lady, um, Clarissa Arthur, she says, uh, Hi, Thomas, you might remember me. My name is Clarissa. Um, I'm the communications lead at, U at the Uville Center. Um, the year before that, the Auto Catholic School Board hired us to shoot this kind of short film on um, this girl who is a young mom. The Uville Center helps young moms. Yeah, I was just going to ask. Sorry, I wasn't familiar with the Uville Center. Okay. Yeah, they, they support young moms and help them kind of get their education and okay. finish their education and things like that. So That's they awesome. do great work. And yeah. um, uh, the Auto Catholic School Board was giving this girl an award who just happened to be a young mom at the Uville Center. And we, um, we, we, we created this short film and... Uh, Clarissa was, you know, was the responsible for making sure that this production company wasn't like making this girl uncomfortable. Um, our, you know, our our time with them was amazing. Uh, we started to develop a bond, and she felt, I guess, we had developed enough of a bond where she felt like she could trust me with a very serious issue. 
So I said, you know, I said, of course I remember you. Like, how are things? What's going on? She goes, well, I'm okay, but uh, things aren't, aren't great. And I said, why? She said, well, um, CTV did a piece with our girls and they were telling, you know, they were giving some advice to other young girls saying, hey, you know what? Like, you know, you need to really know who you are because you can end up in a situation where you're 14 and you're pregnant. Um, you need to know that, you know, um, that, you, you know, your worth is not governed by which what boy likes you. Yeah. And sex uh, is still going to be there in a few years. It's not going anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And um, what ended up happening was those girls got major backlash from like even adults. Wow. People were like, you know, like, like who the heck are these, like these little sluts tell my daughter that she can't, that she yeah, and get look at fingered them. or something like that. <laughs> crazy. Crazy. Yeah. It seems like a kind of a positive message that most parents would be behind, like depending on the age of your kid or whatever. But yeah, that's, that's kind of an insane overreaction if you ask me. Yeah. And what that really hurt the girls, the girls were really, really embarrassed. Uh, people went on their personal channels and were making fun of them and cyberbullying and stuff. Big yeah. time, big time cyberbullying. Well, they're just trying to like use their own struggle that they went through to help someone maybe make the right choices to not end up in. Like, it doesn't mean if you're a if you're a teen mom, you're a horrible person or something. But it's like here's people who are going through it saying like this wasn't easy, and you don't have to. You can make some choices to not end up like this. And like, what is negative about that? I don't know. That seems kind of crazy to shame these people for that, but it, that was that perplexed our team like crazy. Like I don't, I just, I just don't know. Like some, but you know what? It just it's kind just of spoke trolls to the, and haters too, man. Big time. It spoke to the condition of the human heart. You know, people. Some people are just evil. You know, and upset or misguided. Yeah, exactly. That's a lot more than evil. I think pure evil is hard to find. Oh you, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Hitler was evil. Like you know, there's <laughs> right. there's a lot of people are. Um, just misguided or they've been themselves victimized yeah, to a hurt. point where like it, their brain, especially when people are young and they get, you know, abused by someone, it's when your brain is still developing and that kind of trauma is inflicted, it can oh, I yeah. think just mess someone up on a biological level where they're just, they don't have a, a good, not a good brain, but like there's, there's some damage there, you know? Oh, and, huge. But, and, and it's funny. I think you're, you're spot on because when you look at some of those comments, the first, the first reaction actually isn't you're evil. It's, you're not right. Like there's something off. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, anyhow, what ended up happening was she said, you know, I watched the way that you worked with, you know, our former student. I feel like you could help these young girls get their voice back and world anti-bullying day is a week away. What can you do? Once um, again, a cram session. <laughs> cram session. Yeah. That's awesome though. Cram session, man. You have no idea how <laughs> much of a cram session that was. Um, what I, what I end up doing, it's, I, I mean, I do it to myself. It's funny. I asked my team, I said, do you think that, that I should do this, that we should do this? And at the time, our um, account manager slash project manager, who didn't really have a lot of experience, um, he actually came on and, and like I brought him on and kind of started, I, I taught him uh, the ropes and brought him into the industry. He was like, look, you're too busy. Don't do it. Absolutely not. Like you won't be able to deliver it. Don't do it. And um, I asked an, another you know, at the time, a member of our team. And he said, he, T, he goes, I've known you since we were young. Uh, he's like, you need to really figure out if you want to do it. Because if you want to do it, you're just going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you want to do? I was like, I need to do this. Because this is an opportunity to, like, impact a lot of lives. Yeah. Um, so what I did is, um, well, you know, our, our project manager at the time decided, look, I'm, I'm out. Don't ask me for any help. I'm not going to help you with this because, I, you know, I don't think we should be doing it. And I've got a lot of other work to do. I'm like, no problem, man. So what I did is I started work at 6 o'clock every day that week in the morning. 
And after work, so at say 5.30, when the studio closed, I would work till about eight or nine. And I would work on the project at the butt ends of the day. And uh, I was able to bring on some partners. So there's a company called uh, K Collective. They're a great film production company. Uh, they do amazing work, and some of them are personal friends as well. They're personal friends of ours as well. Cool. So they came into it as well to help. But what I end up doing is building an entire campaign called We Are Winning. And we, we um, came up with a little bit of a brand strategy. Um, we sorted out their tone of voice and their brand personality. Um, we designed a logo uh, and a look and feel, a website. We shot three videos. If you go to wearewinning.ca, it's still up. Okay. And this was about two or three years ago. Um, what ended up happening was we actually we were able to help give these 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 girls a voice, and what they were saying basically the story they were telling was they're saying, look, I've got a you know a child and I'm a child, and guess what? I'm still winning, and that's what it was. It was like a giant you know middle finger to everybody who was talking trash about trying them. to write them off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like, look, you're spending your time on social media tearing me down, and I'm raising this human being. We're winning. Yeah, and that was the attitude behind the campaign, and it was crazy because when we went in to actually launch the campaign on World Anti Bullying Day, we finished everything. Man, I had no idea the news broadcast cameras like busted in. Oh yeah, and my company has never had more PR or pub. Ever. Out my phone was exposure. ringing the whole night. Yeah. My friends were like, dude, I just saw you on TV. It was crazy. Well, it makes sense. You're, it's a powerful statement and it affects a lot of people. Yeah. And I just had no idea that that was going to happen. And it was an emotional room and the girls were crying. It was So when you ask me. The babies me, are crying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> You're funny. Um, Thanks. I just <laughs> But, you know, honestly, that that I've worked on a lot of projects, a lot of meaningful work. That one stands out as one that, you know, if I could only tell the story of one project, it'd be that one. Because that is the that project I think exemplifies the power of of the of the human soul. And really that's what we're after. You know, we're like soul hunters. We're like soul chasers. <laughs> it's cool. Cool way to look at it, yeah, man. <laughs> you know, and uh I, that's that that project really did a lot for us. That's a project that stands out and one that's close to our hearts. Um, it was quick and it was a lot smaller than most of our work. I mean, one of our clients is the um, is the National Diving Federation, so the Olympic diving team, and we we've done so much for them from Soul Guide to website, multiple photo shoots. We've designed their um, their swag that they wear um, on pool deck. Um, oh, cool. We've we come up with their slogan, all kinds of things, right? And that's meaningful work. I love that work. But although this We're Winning project was so much smaller, um, the, the, like the level of impact in the lives of the people we we're working for was so high that um, it literally gave me life. It gave me life. And everywhere I go, I speak all over the place. And this, even up till uh, October this year, I was speaking in California at uh, one of the kind of the biggest, the largest social finance uh, conferences in the world. It's called SoCap, and I was on a on a really cool stage, and I, I spoke about this project. So that's amazing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's crazy that you get to carry that around with you now. It's always going to be a piece of you and your vision for your company. You can always look back on that and remember how you were able to impact so many people. You know, that's yeah. amazing, man. Um, there's another thing I saw on your Instagram, and I, I think you had written that someone else started this, but it was an initiative you were involved in called the Black Boys Code. Yes. And I just thought that was really cool because. 
trying to keep people from getting into the wrong shit and and remind them that like they can prosper and they can of course so i don't know if you could tell me about that a little bit more because i did only kind of see it uh, you know briefly i didn't i didn't investigate too deep on that one well that's a recent thing so um we launched that in ottawa well our our first workshop in ottawa was in november and i was contacted by the founder brian johnson um just a really cool cat he um he's from vancouver he's actually from hamilton and then moved out to i believe it was calgary when he you know when he was younger to work and then he ended up in um in vancouver but uh he reached out to me on linkedin and was like listen i'm doing this black boys code thing he goes i've kind of uh tracked you a little bit of done a little bit of research and i think that you'd be great um you'd be the you're the right candidate to 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 basically be the chapter leader for ottawa sort of spearhead this thing yeah yeah so um you know i'm, I'm also on some other boards and i decided to leave them for this. Oh, wow. And the reason why is because I was that little black boy, you know? Um, I grew up at the corner of Celeron and Donald. Which we and know is kind of a shifty neighborhood at times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, when I, especially when I was growing up. Now it's not so bad. My parents still live there, and I'm like, what neighborhood is this? Like, I didn't grow up in this neighborhood. Um, it's been gentrified I, a bit. Yeah. 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 And, um, uh, you know, when I was growing up, it was, it was a really tough neighborhood, man. You talk to any police officer that was around in the 90s, even later than that, I remember I lived on um, somewhere off of Cummings, like further closer right. to Montreal Road. But I remember going there like to get to Saint Laurent or whatever, yeah. you know, and, and seeing cop cars a lot, especially oh, yeah. near the high rises there. Yeah, it was. Exactly. Yeah, it was. It was Donald building. Oh, yeah. That's, that's iconic. <laughs> a bit of a well. And, and I grew up like a sheltered, privileged white boy, too. <laughs> so I was probably like afraid of, of uh, you know that kind of a situation much more than the average person. Like I didn't know shit about street smarts. So, I mean, when I started smoking weed, I kind of got some of that, but um, I, I realize now looking back how much of like a sheltered privi- privileged <laughs> white boy life I must've had compared to some people. Um, but anyways, so to carry on, you yeah. grew up uh, yeah, in so that kind of a, a, you know, a scary situation at times. Yeah. But you know, you, like for me, it wasn't actually scary because that's all I knew. I was born in that house. So yeah. like I grew up just, well, yeah, you're not the the sheltered white cat. That's me. <laughs> so, yeah, no. But either way, it was not the, the safest neighborhood. No, and it was. But you know what? It, if, we, if we're talking about Black Boys Code, it's for, for, for Black Boys Code, it's not even necessarily that these black boys are all in bad neighborhoods. I think it's, it's bigger than that. It's more of a systemic thing where I could be, I could be a, you know, a kid. For instance, my kids, they are, they've been born and raised in a really nice neighborhood. Yeah, so I live in Orleans. I live in a suburb. I live in a nice home. Um, you know, my wife and I, um, you know, do pretty well for ourselves. My, my kids can, I can basically give them anything they ask for. Well, um, and when you were younger, if you were going to Colonel By, you, you were, you know, it was kind of like a richie rich school to a, degree, oh, yeah, to a degree and a very whitewash yeah and my parents made sure that i went there <laughs> oh yeah you know because they didn't want me to go to rito high school <laughs> right so or which... gloucester <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly um but you know i got the opportunity to, to um to launch it here and i'll tell you something like when you think about technology technology you know is one of the most influential facets or aspects of our culture's and if you don't have an equal stake or voice in the way that technology is progressing, then what will end up happening is that your voice will continue to erode. And when we talk about kind of social capital and we talk about, you know, social ownership, uh, when we talk about having an equitable landscape, you need to make sure that all cultures are able to communicate their value and to share who they are. Um, 
and, have the and, same opportunities. And have the same opportunities. Yeah. And, you know, that's not the case for, for not just black boys, but for black people in general. And I think um, what needs to happen is that we all, and see, this is what I tell people all this all the time. Black Boys Code might focus on young black boys, but it is a, it's a, it's a community initiative. So we all need to invest, whether you're, whether you're Asian, whether you're white, whether you're black, we need to invest in these boys because there are gems and diamonds that aren't found when, when our systems aren't equitable. And I'm, I get an opportunity as somebody who is in business, who works in tech as well, because a lot of what we do, a lot of the product we create for clients, a lot of the services we, we do our digital services, you know, once, yeah, tech driven stuff, tech driven yeah. stuff, you know, I get an opportunity to invest in these young boys who are just, who are just like me, man. And it's funny because the first, the first, um, the first workshop was at Carlton and most of these boys were from, were, were Somali, you know, and I know that some of their, their, their parents, um, are like first generation Canadians, but some of those parents were like, they were, their moms were from Somalia. Like they came from Somalia to here. Right. So these kids are the first generation Canadians. And, um, I know that it's not easy because my mom and my dad weren't born here and I'm a first generation Canadian. Right. So, um, I know what some of those struggles are, are, are like, and, you know, typically in, in our cultures, not just on our neighborhoods, but in our, the cultures that we come from, you know, within the, you know, the African, African diaspora, you know, uh, you know, you know, pe like parents aren't necessarily saying you need to learn code. You know, a lot of times they're saying you need to be, become a doctor yeah. or a lawyer, you know? Um, and, and there is, there is great value in having the ability to leverage technology to do whatever it is that you want, even as a doctor or a lawyer. If you're a doctor or a lawyer and you understand code, you can build apps, you can build tools, you can do all kinds of things that change the way that people interact with you, that transform. So Black Boys Code is extremely important. It's very, very, very important, and it's important to me. Yeah. Right on, man. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it sounds like a great initiative to be a part of. So um, I was going to say, because uh, I've noticed, obviously, that you're a spiritual person yourself. Uh, I kind of wanted to go on a, a wild tangent, if you'll humor me, because it's a story that I've only ever told a couple people. Um, because I, I should, full disclosure, I'm not religious per se, but I'm also not like an atheist. I, I guess it's agnostic is when you believe in there's something there, right. you know, I can't just, I, I can't write off God or whatever right. you want to call that higher power. Right. Um, but this one thing that happened to me, I don't know if it made me believe in God more, but it definitely made me go like, whoa, there's some freaky shit going on beyond like this mortal coil that we shuffle upon, you know? So um, I, I haven't had a lot of death in my life. And um, my mom, when she was growing up, her parents had some friends that owned a farm. So they basically became like my, my mom's like aunt and uncle kind of characters. She would go spend the summer with them, whatever. Right. So um, my mom's mom died. And then this lady that she used to go visit died. And my mom called me and told me, hey, you know, Lenore passed away. And I was like, okay, well, that's, you know, I was bummed. She was a really nice lady. I had a lot of fond memories stopping at her place going as a child, you know. Yeah. And then my mom said, oh, well, you know, I asked her, how are you handling it? And she said, well, I was, I'm, I'm obviously sad, but like I was looking out my window and I saw a blue jay come and land in the backyard. And I was like, okay, like, <laughs> congratulations. Like, how does that factor into what we're talking about? But then she goes, no, like, um, I've, I've, in my mind, I, I've heard, she had read something that said that oh, there's people who believe that spirits will communicate through animals or other means like signs and symbols, you know? Right. 
And so to her, for whatever reason, there was a connection there with this lady who had died. And she was like, no, I saw this blue jay and it kind of gave me this calm feeling like she was communicating with me, letting me know it was okay, you know. So I was kind of like, okay, mom, <laughs> sure, whatever makes you feel better. You know, I thought she sounded kind of nuts, honestly. Uh, sorry, mom. And uh, so I, I went and took the dogs for a walk literally five minutes later, right? And I'm coming around, just coming back to my front door. And no word of a lie, a blue jay flies and lands on like the frame of my door and stares at me. Like as far as we are apart right now, like maybe a foot higher, just wow. stares me down like, stop. <laughs> like wow. I'm a blue jay. And coincidences be as they may. I think I even ended up seeing another one. Uh, and then, you know, yeah, he just kind of flew up onto the roof, looked back or she or whatever, and and just looked back one time. And, and I don't know, that sounds like ridiculous maybe, but I can't really describe the feeling that came along with it. It was very weird. It was very like, it didn't feel like a bird beyond the right. fact that it was staring me down was kind of weird. The fact that this blue jay just landed there. But even when it was up on the roof looking back, it was like, it felt like it wasn't that bird though, you know? Right. Okay, so... That in itself, not that crazy, <laughs> kind of crazy, gets weirder. Okay, so uh, hmm. the funeral. I know this is you're the guest. I'm sorry. This is <laughs> no, like I a, love a it. I love this. Is this is good? This um, is good. So about like I don't know, two two weeks later or something. My mom's like, oh, um, the funeral's coming up, and it's this date, you know. And I, I checked my calendar, and I saw, okay, I can't go because work or whatever and family stuff. Like it just wasn't doable, and I felt really bad because I had wanted to go, and I told my mom that, and. My mom and my dad said, oh, you know, she was the sweetest lady. She would be happy knowing you just even thought about it and that you really wanted to be there. You know, like she if she knows if she's out there, she knows, you know. So they try to comfort me, make me not feel so bad about it. When my mom goes there, she said that uh, the son of this lady who died said, hey, we have some of the paintings that she had been doing like her whole life or whatever. And we, we thought you might want to take one as sort of like a piece of memento. And it was a painting of a freaking blue jay. Oh my gosh, dude. I, you can't even write this shit, right? Wow. And again, I'm full disclosure, I'm not super religious or whatever you want to call it, but that was some eerie shit that made me go like, wow, there's got to be, how many coincidences can you stack on top of each other before it's like, no, this isn't a coincidence. There's something at play here, you know? So anyways, I, I don't know why I wanted to share that story, <laughs> but it was- uh, I'm glad you did. That's a great story. It's crazy, man. Like, and I've had my, I've had my <laughs> people- Anybody who knows me really well who's watching this is probably laughing right now. I've got some pretty crazy ones as well. Like, are we talking like similar type of spooky stuff? St yeah. Yeah. yeah well, maybe not spooky. It's how you view it, I guess. Because for I me, believe, it was comforting kind of, you know. But. Well, of course. And I mean, like, um, I believe in the whole animal thing. I mean, even when you, when you take uh, the situation after, at least in the Bible, when Jesus was baptized, the first thing that happens after he comes out of the water is a dove lands on his head. And he hears a voice from heaven that says, you know, that I'm pleased with you. You know, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. You hmm. know, um, so just I learned this stuff is... when I was a kid in Catholic school, but I do not remember that that was the <laughs> yeah. first thing that happened. Hmm. Yeah, it's the first thing that happened. Interesting. You know, a dove, you know, and th that's why the dove is a symbol of peace. And um, oh, OK, that makes sense. Yeah, huh. yeah. That symbology is cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you seem well versed. <laughs> um, I, I did want to ask you, you talked about this a little before we started recording, but um, you specifically, I, you've mentioned that you were into audiovisual stuff, but you had uh, or have still a photography company as well. Tommy Boke, or how do, how do I say the second? <laughs> Tommy Boke. 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 Yeah, but it's really it's Boka. Like so, it's a Japanese term. Um, Boka in photography is basically. Um, I'll try to explain it simply. So basically, you know when you take a picture and something is in focus, yeah, and then you might see like street lights and they turn to little colored balls, yeah, kind of blurry in the background. Yeah, yeah, that's Boka. 
Oh, okay. That's Boca. And, and And you know what? Photography company, my personal photography company, I'm not really, um, although I haven't kind of shut everything down, like you'll see wedding photography on there and whatnot. I'm almost kind of keeping it just as uh, like a reminder of my work. Oh, okay. But I don't do that anymore. Not um, actively pursuing it in a big way. No, no. And I don't shoot that much anymore, although I love it. And it's just, a, it's, a, it's a gift. I really believe it's a gift. I learned it really fast. Like I got pretty good at it very fast but it seems like you always uh, or very quickly learn to apply it to like practical use with with companies and branding and stuff like that as exactly. opposed to our previous guest like peter who's more of like the artistic yes. uh, you know angle yes. we, we talked about that in that episode how photography is very interesting because it's one of the few things that's like there it's it rides that line between art and practicality and yes. you can kind of take the most boring picture that's in no way supposed to be artistic and it's like a passport photo yes. or you can, you know, create a masterpiece, National Geographic, you know, amazing photo. Yes. Shot, so. Yes. It's always great when you uh, bring up points that you've already talked about in a previous episode. <laughs> um, uh, one thing I want to ask you, because we always ask people here um, with the nerd wall of inspiration is if you were to be given a superhuman ability right now, and I'm not talking about becoming a character like Spider-Man or something, but just one one gift, as you might call it. Um, what would that be and why? And not flying because it's, that's so boring. Everyone goes there, you know? You know what? It would be to, I would have healing powers. I, I figured you might say something like this. Yeah, I'd have healing powers. And and the way the healing powers that I would love to have, it, most people think about it as, okay, someone's sick and you make them better. Yeah. For me, it would be, I'd be able to heal people's hearts. Oh, so like emotional damage yeah. and trauma and yeah. stuff like that? Yeah. Wow, that's really deep. Yeah. You'd be probably the most well-liked person on the planet. <laughs> Everyone, your lineup would be like out the door. You have like a psychiatry clinic going on or whatever. Fix everybody's problems. Man, I don't know what to say to that other than that's that's very nice. That seems like the nicest one anyone said so far as far as just like helping people. Yeah, I think it's... um. I think we are our hearts, you know, I, heart and soul is all the same to me. Um, and I think that the world is in, is in a rough place when it, when it's in a rough place because of the human heart. And I think it's, the world is beautiful because of the human heart. You know, um, when I look at, uh, you know, I learn a lot from my kids. I got two boys. Okay. Uh, Justice is four years old. Okay. He's my first. And my second, his name is Journey and he's two years old. Those are cool names. <laughs> Thank you. Why the J names? Is there that a... wasn't on purpose. No, oh, okay. Everybody asked me that. Yeah. That was not on purpose, the J names. Um, because my, my Justice's name was something that I've been thinking about for a while. And so was my wife. But Journey's name. That sounds like name... a tough chick. <laughs> well, you know what? I'll, you know what? I'll tell you something. Oh, wait. No, you said two boys. Two boys. Sorry, sorry. My bad. But yeah. either way, it sounds like a tough name, Justice. And, he, and honestly, he's got his, like, the, his personality is his name. He's very bold. He's quick to tell you when something's right and when it's wrong. Uh, he really lives into his name. It's it's incredible. Um, if he ever becomes a sports star, like imagine he's like slam dunking or something. <laughs> Justice puts down the hammer. <laughs> something like that. You know, he'd have some kind of crazy. Oh man, I love it. That's good. That's that's your that's your comedian side. Just well, just boom. That was while quick. we're at it, Journey. I was gonna say that's hilarious when they're a teenager because when they're going out the door, you'd be like, Journey, where are you going? It's kind of like a. You know, <laughs> Um, that's good that's good so yeah so i learned a lot from them and um oh it's funny kids are so innocent but from the moment that they're born you see both sides of the human heart in kids 
because a kid will tell you one second that they love you, they're hugging you, and the next second, like, they don't want to share. Sometimes they get attitude, yeah. Oh, like, they, my, I, I call my kids my lion cubs. Even in my, in my LinkedIn bio, you'll see a reference to my lion cubs because they have scratches all over their <laughs> face like lions, and that's what they're doing to each other. And I, I kid you not, I remember one day, they were fighting and they're literally standing like in front of each other and they're just scratching each other and like, like deep cuts, man, on their face. So I get upset because I'm like, dude, it's your nails. face. <laughs> you you be you be surprised when you look at their nails and they're not that long, but they're putting oh, them yeah. that. With enough force, they're still gonna scratch. Yeah, exactly. But I but you know they're doing that one second, and the next second, you know after you know we you know we we kind of break them up and reprimand them, discipline them a little bit. Um, you know, the, the older one says, you know, I'm sorry, brother. I love you. And the other one's like, oh, it's okay. And they're hugging uh, each other. I'm like, going, get the camera, get the camera. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going, that is humanity, man. Yeah, man. Like we've got, we just have two sides. Like that's what it is. And, and the side that's not as favorable causes some damage. That's really hard to repair. Yeah. You know, hard issues are hard to repair. And that's why I love the work I do at Godspeed because I get to work with people who have heart issues and I, they give me permission to go to a place where we can help solve some of those heart issues. Little, at least a little Band-Aid or something, you know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, so, and I mean, we make jokes all the time. I was actually with one of our clients the other day in our new studio and, um, and he, he says, you know, uh, one of them says, are there tissues around here? Because our, like, our conversations are so deep that, People end up crying all the time in my office. <laughs> like, you know, like a... But it's like positive, like <laughs> yeah, growth stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I hate this place. It's... <laughs> Get the know, bucket. Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, so it's... um, I, You know, I just think that if we can, if we can kind of reason we, with each other and communicate with each other at the level of heart, I think then we can, then we can make progress, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, to, and to say what you were talking about with your young kids and how they're, they're always hugging at the end. I love when you see specifically um, children of di- different ethnicities oh, yeah. and they're like best friends oh, yeah. and it just shows you like grownups are fucking stupid. Like Yo, we don't time. need to be doing this. Like clearly this is something that's learned. It's not something that's, you know, you're not born racist. Like exactly. It's, it's beautiful when you see kids like that, but it's not enough, man. We, we need grownups doing that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a positive note to leave on. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, unless you got anything else you want to you want to talk about, man, I, I like in, to put this in perspective for you guys. Uh, my dad's going on hiatus or we're going on hiatus because my dad's going to Cali for a month. Uh, February, I don't want to give you your specific travel plans, but end of February. <laughs> so we've been banking episodes so that you guys will have a new episode every week still during that time. And uh, we just did, you're the second of two back-to-back ones tonight. And I worked cool. overnight at the hospital last night. So I'm oh, like on no, five no. hours of sleep. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Thank you so much for coming. I know we, we were playing scheduled tag for a couple of weeks there, but. Everything um, happened in the right timing, man. Yeah, man. I like, it was a great spending time with you and I hope you'll come back. I definitely will. Awesome. Thanks, okay. Well, we always high five at the end. Pie out. Boom. All right. Right. Thanks, my man. Yeah, thanks. That was good, man. Cool.